The Blunt Post with Vic. Good morning, happy Monday, and welcome to The Blunt Post with Vic. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, the editor and publisher of The Blunt Post. The Blunt Post with Vic is a program that covers national, regional, and local headline news, offers analysis and commentary, and I interview members of Congress, local elected officials, and other high-profile public figures. Today, Los Angeles Council Member Monica Rodriguez is my guest, and later I will air my interview with West Hollywood Mayor Pro Tem, Sepi Shine, so stay tuned. Council Member Monica Rodriguez is the third Latina in the city's history to serve on the Los Angeles City Council, District 7 since 2017. Her district encompasses north, central, and northeast parts of the San Fernando Valley. She has the endorsement of dozens of organizations, elected officials, and community leaders, including Unite Here Local 11, United Farm Workers, Planned Parenthood, and the Armenian Council of America. Council Member Rodriguez, thank you for being on The Blunt Post with Vic this morning. How are you today? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. There's so much going on. We keep thinking that we are transitioning out of COVID, but then another strain comes out. But nonetheless, we're trying to be in in the solution, uh, pick up the pieces and sort of come out of this epidemic and maybe uh, would have to settle with an endemic. What is your perspective on where we are as Los Angeles as a city, but as well as your own district in terms of sort of just the general perspective on where we are as a city and what's happening. Well, of course, we continue to evolve in what our our position is. Um, you know, we recognize that we aren't completely out of the woods yet. In fact, uh, e- even if I just take my own team as an example, my staff, uh, how COVID has a, has continued to affect uh, my my staff and and our ability to continue to seamlessly provide, uh, you know, just steady staffing it's a reflection of how this continues to evolve. I think, um, you know, we aren't out of the woods yet. Uh, There are many individuals that continue to contract COVID-19. I think it's incredibly important that we all remain vigilant in doing what we can to protect one another so that we can see the light at the end of the tunnel informally. I mean, we've, you know, resumed a lot of in-person activities, but um, I think to really truly have uh, this moment of putting it, you know, in the rearview mirror requires each of us to be able to, um, you know, ensure greater public health by uh, making sure that everyone is getting their vaccine, is is maintaining the proper protocols and hygiene, so that we can actually eliminate uh, COVID indefinitely. And 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 I don't know that uh, we'll ever get there, uh, but we could certainly minimize its continued impact uh, so that it's not as pervasive as it has been. Yeah, absolutely. The unhoused have been uh, a challenge, a topic. I'm trying to say the right words for Los Angeles, for Southern California, for all of California. And I'm, and I do believe it's, it's really a, a nationwide challenge. And the problem is not just, Uh, California or Los Angeles, and there's no magic wand. And uh, a lot of homelessness is due to many other factors, such as disintegration of middle class, 
uh, it's, um, uh, you know, just uh, inequity in our society. And the fact that, you know, a lot of people live in California, one out of eight Americans live in California and the lion's share of the unhoused live in greater LA. But of course, a lot of, lot of our residents think council members can just sort of, you know, just have a magic wand and it'll just go away. But you have actually done a great deal and you have uh, championed uh, many different initiatives um, to do what you can, you know, with everything that you and other um, elected officials are beset with. And one of them was creating the good neighbor policy, um, which has to do with standardized safety uh, and protocols at homeless shelters. Um, would you uh, elaborate on that? Yes, well, I and thank you for recognizing what a complicated uh, issue it is because it isn't, you know, the individuals uh, experiencing homelessness have a wide variety of uh, reasons why they've uh, found themselves living unhoused. Uh, you have uh, a large uh, youth population that is unhoused that are part of the emancipated youth of our foster care system. You have individuals that have both uh, chronic mental health or substance abuse issues. You have families, as in my district, many families. I have the largest population of uh, students that are unhoused, uh, whose families are unhoused at one of my grammar schools here in my district. So it's a very, uh, it's a very diverse set of circumstances that have affected individuals and put them uh, into homelessness. That being said, uh, one of the reasons I ran for office and wanted to be part of the solutions and shifts in our city uh, was because while it's incredibly important for us to continue to um, say yes to the housing and the facilities where so often people resisted. I used to run an affordable housing trust fund in the state, and people have very um, negative perceptions about what that means in their neighborhoods. Uh, the truth of the matter is, is that these don't often, these facilities do not have to be synonymous with having increased crime or tr problems associated with it. And so when I first took office and there was an emergency winter shelter in my district, I was protested by young people, residents, uh, of, you know, uh, that were coming out of anger and frustration and concern about the operations of that facility. Uh, <clears throat> I said to the residents, because I had I literally have been in office maybe about 90 days when it had happened, and I said to them, look, give me an opportunity to make this right, because we can't keep kicking this can down the road. We have to provide these solutions, and we have to assure that when we do so, that it also respects and protects the neighbors. And so we... Uh, the good neighbor policy was the pilot that essentially created a suite of conditions for operators to say, you will implement these standard and standardize the operations and practices in these areas so that we may be able to assure residents that these facilities will not be synonymous with problems uh, in their neighborhoods. And so with the good neighbor policy, we standardized a suite of conditions that uh, frankly eradicated a lot of the problems that were originally associated with that shelter. And that suite of options are available and uh, in application and uh, in all of the facilities across the city. And so it's just trying to help get people to understand that, again, you know, the, the problems of what we see on our streets is we have to work through and develop the, po the probable solutions 
but to bring everybody involved along. And I will say that the operator initially resisted some of the proposals that uh, we suggested as part of this good neighbor policy, but clearly it has resulted in a, a meaningful difference because when uh, it was funny, I remember going, having a follow-up community meeting and talking about the facility where people had, again, it had notoriously been very well known about how uh, problem, problematic the operations were previously. And uh, when the resident said, oh my God, do me a favor, don't open that. And I said, well, by the way, it's been operating now for three months and you didn't even realize because we shifted how they operated and how they respected the community. And that made a world of difference. Yeah. You can't always make everyone happy all of the time, but it seems like you're trying to like, as you said, bring everyone with you so that because we have this tendency as human beings to um, want to have our cakes and eat it too. It's like, right. take care of the unhoused. I don't want the homeless, but yet I don't want it near me either. Um, and the stigma and all of that sort of baggage that comes with it. Where do we really draw that balance? This is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I'm your host, Vic Jaramie, and you are listening to my interview with Los Angeles Council Member Monica Rodriguez. And another element that you address, which is sort of part of this big puzzle, this complicated puzzle, as you said, is, is safe parking program, um, which really addresses a whole other sort of part of this, this huge challenge for the city, if you want to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, well, I actually piloted the first safe parking that accommodated RVs as well. Uh, there's not a single neighborhood throughout the city where you're not identifying uh, the problems that we have with oversized vehicles. And uh, these safe parking facilities, you know, when you marry them with services, there are places you can open up a parking lot and say that this is okay for individuals to park overnight without being disturbed. Uh, but that is insufficient to actually helping to facilitate and connect people to the resources that will in fact get them off the street. And so co-locating the safe parking with a service provider in my district in North Hills uh, really marked a huge shift in getting a number of individuals that have been living in their vehicles for, in some cases, years, uh, connected to resources that in fact help them uh, get into housing and then, frankly, being employed. Uh, there were certain individuals that had been, obviously, it's, it's, a, it's a slippery slope once you become unhoused. How do you maintain a source of employment? How do you, if you don't have access to facilities that enabled you to present yourself in a, uh, in a, you know, in a presentable way? And uh, it really made a difference in the lives of individuals. But adding the RVs, we, you know, we discovered the, the challenges and the benefits of doing so because depending on the conditions of the RVs, it made it very difficult for us to be able to uh, maintain the operations. Uh, but uh, again, we're continuing to try and avail new efforts and innovate ways that we're going to help connect people directly to those resources and not kick them from neighborhood to neighborhood, because it's important that we remain consistent in approaching these individuals and getting them uh, resourced. And because again, everyone can be at a different uh, circumstance. They could merely need, uh, you know, uh, a voucher or interim supplemental assistance to help close the financial gaps of whatever they need to pay for rent. Uh, everybody is at a different level. And so it's just helping to encourage people to uh, marry themselves to the opportunity to have those services and be connected to it so that we can help get them out of homelessness. Absolutely. 
We've talked about uh, the homelessness um, challenge. How about, you know, this is an election year. And as I said, we're sort of in this transitional period in our nation, in LA, sort of two years of really going through it, if you will. Um, aside from the the unhoused, what are some of the other challenges that, that are facing you in District 7 specifically? Well, public safety remains a, a huge uh, issue and at the forefront of many Angelinos, my district included. Uh, and it's incredibly important that we continue uh, to marry ourselves to funding and identifying the right resources to the to the problem. So for example, with individuals that are experiencing mental health breaks on our streets, it's important that we don't respond necessarily with police or, or fire response uh, to address a circumstance that they're not trained to do. And so what I've done, and we're gonna continue to have pressure for fire and police personnel to continue to do their jobs. We're, you know, we're in an environmental crisis and we're in a public safety crisis. And so it's important to make sure that those, those precious resources are continued to be focused on the issues that they are most best trained to do. Uh, so I led the creation uh, working with Mayor Garcetti to have uh, county mental health professionals located at five fire stations across the city that will respond to mental health cases uh, in lieu of uh, having police or fire resources deployed to addressing those issues. It has resulted in the pilot areas where we've launched this, a 70% reduction of the load of calls that fire and or police would often be uh, occupied in responding to. Now, why does that matter? Well, it matters because when you're talking about issues related to public safety and you talk about response times, we are now appropriately aligning our precious resources to a response that gets to the root of what the services of what people need that are in those distressed moments and allowing our firefighters or police officers, many of whom, in the, just to give you the context, we get on an annual basis upwards of 50,000 calls associated with mental health issues alone. Wow. And so making sure that we are better allocating our resources to avail the services that are going to actually directly respond to the needs of the individuals in crisis enables both our fire and police personnel, both of whom are very precious uh, in terms of, you know, precious and expensive. Uh, when public safety and the budget for public safety uh, occupies more than two thirds of our city's budget, uh, we have to, again, better align our resources in a manner that both that avails and frees up their time to do the jobs that they were best trained to do. And so uh, doing this and, and providing this type of alternative response is critical to enable these fire and police personnel to respond to the crises that they need to do, whether it's obviously the growing uh, threat of wildfires or it's... Um, you know, the circumstances with crime on our streets. And so those are the types of efforts that I think are really important for us to continue to look at as, a, as a employment alternatives, because it's getting to the root of what the problems are and not just deploying additional, uh, you know, everyone thinks that they can call 911 for all of, you know, as it's not the panacea to have police and fire respond to everything. Right. So we need to make sure that we're better uh, aligning these precious resources in a manner that actually gets us the results that we're yeah. seeing. And, and having mental health professionals, it, it also um, 
reduces the number of people who are needlessly in jails and prisons when all they need actual mental health, whether it be a psychiatrist or therapist or whatever, maybe that PTSD, Um, you know, we still have a long way to go in our society, I think in the world, actually, to uh, reduce uh, stigma around mental health and uh, sort of see it in a black and white type of a way. Uh, So I'll put you on the spot for a second. Uh, This is an election year. And your opponent, you know, you have an opponent as everyone does. What makes you different from your opponent uh, as we stand today? Uh, Obviously, uh, aside from the fact that you have a great deal of experience behind you in City Hall. Well, a great deal of experience and uh, and history over 20 years of both public and private sector experience and a record of results. Uh, you know, I often say that it's real easy to point out the problems. It's a lot more difficult to solve them and have the experience of knowing how to solve them. And so, uh, you know, it, it, it's very commonplace to have individuals that just want to point out all the shortcomings of, of what has occurred, uh, notwithstanding that these individuals have nothing to cite uh, in their own experience of how they've uh, demonstrated their ability to actually lead change, uh, particularly when they've had an opportunity to do so. But uh, I focus on, on my work and my body of work over the course of uh, 20 plus years. And uh, frankly, it has been one that it's what earned me uh, so many uh, endorsements because, uh, you know, it's, it's real easy for people to malign, oh, well, you know, it's uh, this machine or it's corruption uh, without facts. It's just something that sadly a lot of people uh, gravitate to in absence of having any substantive uh, example of any of the work that, you know, to show for any body of work that they've ever been involved with. They, you know, so uh, I'm in that circumstance and uh, I know some of my colleagues are as well. And, you know, it's the nature of what happens. It's, uh, it's the nature of, of uh, individuals that want to uh, malign other people in, uh, as, uh, as, as a means of distracting uh, the public from being held accountable or being able to speak to any, uh, any actual deliverable that they've ever been involved in. So uh, I just focus on doing my work and I continue to show the results. And, uh, you know, in four years time, I've been, uh, you know, responding to crises after crises and a global pandemic. And so it's real easy for people to be Monday morning quarterbacking about how, how or, you know, woulda, shoulda, coulda. And the truth is, is what we need is better collaborations uh, between individuals that uh, purport that they want to help advance and move our communities forward so that we can actually do so. Absolutely. This is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I'm your host, Vic Jaramie, and you are listening to my interview with Los Angeles Council Member Monica Rodriguez. What question, uh, I have two more questions for you, and the first one is this. What questions should I have asked you that I missed or anything you'd like to add? <laughs> well, I mean, I think, um, you know, what I'd like to say is that it's been, uh, for me, it's been an incredible privilege of my life to serve in this role. And even in spite of all the challenges of, of what these times have presented, I think it's been, uh, it, I mean, these are just remarkable times. And it tests us in ways of being creative. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I'm just so grateful we have uh, such a committed group of public servants in the city that have really turned themselves inside out to be first responders. And I'm not just talking about police and fire. I'm talking about 
every city employee that figured out how to adapt and change to this just incredibly uncertain environment, uh, not just to continue to sustain their workload, but also to be uh, to serve as that uh, interim stopgap for families that desperately needed resources at a time when we were just uh, again experiencing uh, you know these devastating losses through COVID, uh, and then also having to endure their own. Uh, impacts with COVID. You know, people are often desensitized to uh, what, you know, uh, what these individuals have done. And yes, they have signed up to be public servants, uh, but it has been very trying and exhausting on them as well. And so I'm just grateful to be in a position to work with a group of professionals that care so much and so deeply about residents of the city that we're trying to work every single day to figure out a way uh, to do better, uh, to do right by them, and to make sure that we don't miss a beat in uh, in serving uh, all the needs in the pe- for the people of Los Angeles. Absolutely, I I'm I dare to say I'm friends with a couple of council members, and I know that it's an exhausting, thankless job. A lot of times, I mean, their schedules just make me give me like I just can't believe all that they do. You know, seven days a week, uh, it's, uh, I do admire you. And I, wanted, I, I also want to say, as an Armenian-American, thank you for your support. Uh, LA City Council has been, um, uh, you know, a pillar in the back of the Armenian community as, you know, not only this Armenian genocide recognition, but unfortunately, our people went through it again in 2020 with the attack on Artsakh when the world mm-hmm. watched in a deafening silence uh, LA City Hall had a press conference. LA City Hall issued declarations. I know it was unanimous. I know you were supportive of that. I know you have a lot of Armenian Americans in your district, especially Sanlan Tahanga. So I want to thank you. I know all. I no, I'm not going to lie. I don't know all that you have to deal with. <laughs> I have an idea. <laughs> I have an idea, and I'm and I'm very grateful. Um, before we go, uh, Council Member, how can people reach you? Get involved contribute, uh, if you can give us your website or just other ways people can um, reach out to you. Sure. Well, my website is uh, www.monica4citycouncil.com. And uh, they could certainly email at monica at monica4citycouncil.com as well. Uh, But if they go to the website, they should be able to uh, get all the information and details on how to get involved. You know, civic Duty is everyone's responsibility, and we want to remind everyone that even just a basic fundamental uh, opportunity that you have is just to make sure that you vote. And uh, with respect to, you know, the, the atrocities and the aggressions in Artsakh uh, and, uh, and my support of uh, really helping to give proper recognition and respect to the generations of Armenians that have had to endure uh, the loss uh, and that history of loss uh, of their uh, of their people. It's really been an honor for me to be an ally and uh, and a champion on these issues, along with so many of my colleagues. Uh, because injustice injustice anywhere is injustice everywhere, and our communities have mutual mutually experienced uh, the same levels of disrespect. And uh, for me, it, it's just no question uh, that I would continue to be aligned with uh, the Armenian people on these issues because it's, it's not far different from the experiences that 
Latino Americans have experienced here uh, in terms of just the, uh, the, le the level of dignity and respect that has been denied so often by just an acknowledgement and recognition of the experience. And so I think for that, I'm, uh, I'm really grateful to, uh, to have the opportunity to be in a position where I can help raise voice and, and raise attention to, um, to, this, uh, to this critical issue. I appreciate that. You're right. There's a lot of intersectionality, shared trauma with a lot of us minorities. It's, uh, you know, discrimination, marginalization, the inequity. Um, so, yes, thank you for that. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate your time. Uh, good luck to you, although I don't think you need it. And uh, if one more time, you can give us your, uh, your web address, your URL. Appreciate it. Sure, it's www.monica4citycouncil.com. Fantastic. Thank you, uh, Council Member, for being on the Blunt Post with Vic this morning. Thank you so much for having me. That was my interview with uh, Council Member Monica Rodriguez uh, from North and Northeast and Central San Fernando Valley, uh, who is up for re-election, uh, as are many other uh, members of the LA City Council. Uh, thank you, Council Member, for being on the show this morning. I appreciate your time, and I hope to chat with you again soon. The Blunt Post with Vic. Mayor Pro Tem Seppi Shine made history in November 2020 when she was elected to the West Hollywood City Council. She became the first out LGBTQ Iranian elected anywhere globally and locally became the first woman of color elected to West Hollywood City Council. Her election also ushered in West Hollywood's first female-majority city council. Mayor Pro Tem Shine's priorities include advocating for affordable housing, protecting renters and social service programs, social justice, small business revival, and bringing the people's voices to City Hall. Mayor Pro Tem Shine is an attorney, a lifelong activist, serves on dozens of boards and committees, and is a delegate to the California State Democratic Party. Good morning, Mayor Pro Tem. Uh, Shine, how are you this morning? Good morning, Vic. I am great. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's good to have you, as always, to get us uh, updates from the creative city, West Hollywood, and beyond. Yes. You are now Mayor Pro Tem, which for those who don't know what that means, it's uh, Mayor Pro Tem Shine will be the next mayor of West Hollywood. Of course, there's a there's a step of formality that it, they go through, but essentially in January, she'll be uh, the next mayor of uh, West Hollywood, which has a population of 33,000. Am I correct? It's around 36,000. Um, and and you're we're close. You know, it's going to shift and we'll get our new numbers soon. But uh, in Mayor Pro Tem, essentially, it's it's a fancy way of saying vice mayor. Correct. Correct. So before I ask you any um, specific questions about things that are coming up, uh, sort of give us the sort of an overview of what is happening in West Hollywood in this, what, you know, uh, hopefully is a transitional period now coming out of COVID and the toll that it took on, on everyone, uh, cities and businesses and such. Um, what are some of the highlights, if you will, of, of what's been happening? Sure. Um, some of the highlights, well, I'll give you a, a few 
highlights of the past year since I've been in office. Uh, just real quick, we raise the minimum wage to the highest in the country, and it's going to be uh, slowly phased in to allow businesses uh, some cushion time. Um, we also... Uh, I'm clapping, I by got... the way. Sorry. Yes. I just have to do it. It's like <laughs> so incredible. It is. And, um, I brought forth an item with Councilmember Erickson to uh, ban plastics in uh, foodware single-use plastics and foodware. Mm -hmm. So we have, uh, I think, the city with the highest uh, percentage of hospitality. So uh, our footprint, because of that, uh, was, was even though we're a small 1.9 square mile city, our footprint was pretty large. So um, that passed as well. And again, we're phasing that in. So I'm very excited about that to help our climate. We've helped uh, people uh, with wages and workers, um, and we we just finished um, installing the new progress flag um, in place of the rainbow flag at the crosswalks on San Vicente yeah. and Santa Monica. Uh, it's really we're calling it the, we're calling it the inclusive pride flag because mm -hmm. it isn't really the progress flag. We changed it. We kind of created our own type of progress flag because uh, we added the uh, trans flag and the black and brown stripes on both sides to make it uh, more uniform instead of right. having it just on one side. So that's that. We are uh, coming out of COVID. We're actually going to be having a city council meeting Monday and discussing all of our emergency orders and what we want to keep and what we want to um, lift. Uh, another very exciting thing is uh, and I've been working on the Pride subcommittee um, mm -hmm. for over a year with uh, Councilmember D'Amico. We uh, put out an RFP last year to get submittals from uh, Pride producers, and we awarded JJLA, Jeff Consoletti with JJLA, the contract to produce Pride for us. So we are going to have our own WeHo Pride uh, branded right. WeHo Pride in our city is going to be the first weekend of June, and I'm very, very excited about this. Uh, we also gave a grant to the L Project, um, and they're going to produce the Women's Freedom Festival. Um, we There's going to be the Out Loud concert Friday, Saturday, Sunday in West Hollywood Park. And San Vicente is going to be closed off for affinity groups and booths. And this is the the San Vicente part is open, so it's not ticketed. So it's going to be a free Pride Festival. Um, and we really wanted it to be very inclusive this year. So we have um, we're me, offering grant. Let yeah. me interrupt you if I if I may. Sure. Um, for sure. those that are listening that don't sort sort of know the history, um, so what's been called LA Pride that had been happening since 1970 uh, was produced by, by this organization. And so the organization chose not to be part of the West Hollywood Pride. So this year, City of West Hollywood um, initiated, they're having the inaugural Pride in West Hollywood, which will be the first weekend of June rather than the second weekend of June with its own uh, Parade and festival and everything else that goes with it. Um, so this is a this is a big sort of a, a milestone for the city itself. 
This is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and you are listening to my interview with West Hollywood's Mayor Pro Tem, Seppi Shine. Um, of course, you know, again, for those listening, you know, L.A., there's this perception out there that New York um, was where the, the modern LGBTQ movement started at the Stonewall Inn. Um, but the fact is that it actually has started in L.A. about two years before that in 1967 at the Black Cat Tavern in Silver Lake, which is still in existence. And so L.A. has been a trailblazer in uh, queer movement, just like City of West Hollywood is a trailblazer in uh, so many different um, uh, so many different things and uh, being at the cutting edge of progressive movement when it comes to from uh, labor unions uh, to um, environmental protection, uh, animal rights, human rights, and such. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, Mayor Pratam was talking about uh, the, the sort of scheduled events and, and things that are happening and, uh, you know, making sure that it's an ex- inclusive uh, event. So, and then I will leave you with this question. Tell us what the L Project is. The L Project is a um, nonprofit uh, dedicated to uh, creating community for lesbians and um, queer women and being inclusive of BIPOC queer women mm-hmm. and non-binary folks. And um, they, they, we, we gave them a we sponsored the Women's Freedom Festival last year, but you know everything was kind of half open, half closed at the time. And this year, they actually um, applied uh, through our RFP process. And having uh, queer women uh, very much centered and part of Pride um, has been very important uh, to me as a lesbian woman, um, but also to uh, the entire community uh, because. Uh, queer women have really felt left out in West Hollywood in the past um, and we're doing a lot of things to shift that. I also actually um, brought forward an item that passed the council where we're going to have um, lesbian and queer women's visibility week and that's going to be April 24th to May 2nd and we're going to fly the um, inclusive lesbian flag all across the city there's going to be a field day at uh, one of the parks, uh, probably Plummer Park and maybe WeHo Park, um, and some events happening and activations happening around uh, Queer Women's Week. So I'm very excited about that as well. But nice. Pride itself, um, we it is the inaugural WeHo Pride. It's a big step for our city. Um, we are also producing our own WeHo Pride Parade, uh, and it's going to kickoff pride month for all of la county actually we hope pride is going to do that and um i really encourage folks to come out a lot of people you know i hear still have this uh, impression from the past uh that we hope is not really inclusive but we're doing a lot to change that um and one of the programs we're offering we're offering one hundred fifty thousand dollars uh, to be split between affinity groups who can apply to participate during Pride Weekend. Um, basically, if you have an event and you want to apply, 
So uh, we we specifically called out wanting uh, trans the trans community um, to to have a presence in our city during We Hope Pride, the women's community, the BIPOC community, the black black pride, uh, bisexual pride. So we really opened it up. So the sober community as well has always had a sizzle. And um, this could potentially, if the trajectory that we're going in, which is that COVID is now an endemic and we're gonna open everything up, sizzle will finally be the first time, the first, in-person sober events since COVID because we we did um, we did host a virtual we co-sponsored a virtual uh, boom um, for new years but yeah well last year and yeah. um, we you know it'll be really really nice for that's people great to, and you know I have to say as a as a sober person uh, who's gone to boom and and sizzle sizzle is um, by the way every year during Pride it's a big uh, it's it's sort of like the sober um, part of the Pride Festival, and um, Pride has always provided a section uh, for the sober community. It's a safe section, um, and then boom is a, a big New Year's Eve uh, party. You know, it's alcohol free. You don't have to be sober to go, but there's no alcohol. So the city has really done a good job of of making sure that all different groups and people are included and uh, I think the rest of us have to step up too and meet the city yeah. halfway um, and uh, you know this is a really exciting thing that West Hollywood has its own pride now it's a it's a big deal um, and uh, so if let's say there's someone listening and they've maybe they've gone to pride before but they haven't uh, uh, they you know now they want to participate either as a vendor or sponsor it or you know whatnot mm -hmm. it could be a representative from from big corporation listening what do yeah. they do who do they go to well if they want to be a sponsor they would contact jjla mm -hmm. um and they have a whole sponsorship team and i i will also say i'm very proud because uh in one of our first meetings for the pride subcommittee i really wanted us to get some sponsorship money back to the city mm -hmm. which is something that's not happened before with the prior pride producer um and uh jjla uh the city has a, an agreement with jjla that a very uh, prominent percentage of the sponsorships uh that are all new are going to go back to the city to cut our public safety costs because we spent a lot of money um, on public safety and some other costs. Back so I'm community. very excited about that. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's how it's it should go back be. In the community. That's yes. how it should be. And, um, so they can contact JJLA, uh, Jeff Consoletti. They can contact West Hollywood, um, Cleo um, or Megan. Uh, so Cleo Smith at WeHo, C Smith at WeHo.org um, or Megan Reith at uh, the city uh, if they want to have events or learn more or be connected to Jeff. Uh, anyone can also contact me, and I'm happy to uh, forward uh, inform, forward the email to the appropriate channels. Right. And my email is shine with a Y, at weho.org. And if people want to have events other than sponsorships, or if they want to have a float in the parade, same thing. But if they want to have, uh, they're an affinity group, and they want to 
um, submit an application for uh, getting a grant to have an event during the Pride weekend, we hope Pride weekend, the application is open until March 31st of okay. this month, and then it closes. And your website is sepishine.com, correct? That's my website, but the right. city is where the uh, folks should go to, which is weho.org. Okay. And all my information is on, on there on weho.org. And well. there's a link, I'm assuming, to the Pride page? Yes, there's a link okay. to the Pride page, a link to everything. Do you um, yet know the some of the some of the you know more specific schedules? Like, is there going to be a dike march? Uh, maybe a purple party? So what I what I do know is um, right now that so dike march used to be produced by CSW with CSW mm-hmm. and the women, and then it it was always in WeHo Park, and then. They were. Uh, they wanted to do a Friday night concert there, so the so the lesbians got pushed out, and the city took over Dyke March's um, production mm-hmm. in in collaboration with the Lesbian Gay Advisory Board, uh, Dyke March subcommittee. But it was placed in San Gorilla, Sal Gorilla Memorial Park, mm-hmm. um, which is a tiny, tiny park on Holloway in Santa Monica, and I. Since I've gotten on council, I kept saying, "Very smart." Kept saying, "This is ridiculous. We need to either move to Plummer Park or, or figure out a way to go back to West Hollywood Park." And um, there's discussions right now to um, collaborate with the Women's Freedom Festival, and the Women's Freedom Festival has applied to have their event in uh, West Hollywood Park. Uh, uh, not in the park itself, but on the San Vicente where the Pride mm-hmm. Festival is Friday night. So I'm hoping that okay. th- through this collaboration, everyone will work together and uh, queer women will be back uh, center stage on Friday. Um, so I, I know that there's also a, that, so the Out Loud concert is Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Parade is um, on Sunday with a 12 p.m. kickoff instead of 11 a.m. kickoff. Okay. Uh, and those are all the those are all the things I know at this point, and there's still planning happening. Fantastic. This is the Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK ninety point seven FM. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and you are listening to my interview with West Hollywood's Mayor Pro Tem Seppi Shine. I think by June we'll be further away from COVID. Hopefully, you know, yeah. hopefully there won't be another uh, relapse, if you will. And so that, uh, you know, it's been a couple of years that, uh, well, obviously not just Pride, but so many other big events have been interrupted and gone, mm-hmm. uh, you know, gone sort of online, which is not the same thing. There's such right. power in being in West Hollywood during Pride that the, the energy and being in a parade, um, you can't duplicate that on Zoom. <laughs> no way. Not at all. That's why last year um, when we had WeHo, we actually had a West Hollywood Pride last year, but it but it wasn't produced like, so this is now our inaugural in-person Pride. We just um, we just worked with the chamber and they came up with some stickers and handed them out to businesses and people just came. We picked the a weekend at the end of June and people just came to the city and we happened to have been open instead of an, any kind of lockdown at the time. Yeah. Um, and our bars were, were filled, but we didn't do anything else. It wasn't 
anything that was produced in any way by the city and it was great and I and I said it too because you know, the chamber and JJLA at the time wanted uh, proposed a, a, a uh, virtual program in-person program they wanted to do all of this uh, activations but at the time I and we as a council felt that it was too soon and we, we didn't want to invest all this money in something that might potentially be a loss. Right. Uh, but this year where we are now is in such a different place with uh, such a high vaccination rate. West Hollywood's vaccination rate is close to 89% right now. Wow. And I know that LA County is also uh, not as high as us, but, but pretty high. And uh, from what we've been told, we're really entering endemic status, which means this COVID is going to be part of our life every year. There's going to be vaccines. Um, some people will get it, but with the high amount of vaccines, the the new variants shouldn't be as uh, bad as Omicron. I think Omicron really got most most people uh, infected, mm -hmm. yeah. and uh, so now it kind of pushed us towards an endemic status. Awesome. So again, it's the first weekend of June. Yes. And uh, the dates, since I don't have a calendar in front of me. June 3rd to the 5th. 3rd, 3rd to 5th. Okay, fantastic. Yes. What else? Is there anything else we haven't talked about that's coming up uh, in just West Hollywood, your agenda? Um, yeah. Um, another thing I've been really excited about uh, because homelessness is top of mind for um, our residents, community, everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and we are, uh, I brought forward an item with, again, Councilmember Erickson uh, last year for us to uh, develop these um, uh, behavioral health crisis response units so mm -hmm. essentially they are mobile units that have um, experts that are not law enforcement uh, so mm -hmm. a cl licensed clinician an emt a nurse that would get called out to deal with um, any calls regarding homelessness except for violent um, calls if there's sure. anything violent then the sheriffs would still need to to go out but sure. Um, and it's not just for homelessness, people with mental illness, um, wellness checks, uh, people that may uh, be calling in because they might uh, be threatening to commit suicide, right. uh, any kind of domestic, some domestic, nonviolent domestic disputes. And this uh, unit is going to get ramped up eventually to be 24 7. Wow. And uh, it is really something that the sheriffs don't want to deal with. They, they, they've told us themselves, we don't want to deal with homelessness because they're, mm -hmm. they're not experts in it. They're, they're not yeah. really effective in dealing with it. Um, and so this is very exciting for West Hollywood. Yeah. Um, as we, you know, we all talked in 2020 about um, reimagining policing and coming up with alternatives well, we're a city now that we're doing that right? and creating alternatives to law enforcement so that our law enforcement can actually do what they're supposed to do, which mm -hmm. is to um, look and prevent crime and fight crime and solve crimes. And people so. who 
who don't or should not be in jail. Um, perhaps they have mental problem, they had a breakdown, whatnot. Yeah. You know, can get the help that they need without, uh, you know, the consequences of being arrested just because exactly. law enforcement didn't know what else to do with them. So yeah. um, this is just another example of quality of life that, that West Hollywood is known for, for being at the cutting edge. Um, yeah, so that's great. It's another um, big deal for the city, yeah. uh, you know, trailblazer. This is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and you are listening to my interview with West Hollywood's Mayor Pro Tem, Seppi Shine. Before I forget, I have to say, um, happy Nowruz. Happy uh, Nowruz to you, too. Yeah, it yeah. came quick. It, did, it, it, it flew by quickly. I'm so excited about Persian New Year. Mm. I, um, the city is lighting up. City Hall and the um, colors of the Iranian flag from the 20th to the 29th, and they've come up with a digital uh, signage. It says it's a really cute graphic that says Happy Nowruz, and it's going to be showing wow. at a lot of our bus stops, uh, some billboards, um, on social media. Um, we can all, even though, okay, so Nowruz is from the spring equinox, right? It, strike spring equinox which is here i believe this is 8 22 a.m on sunday morning and it goes for 13 days right um so really we were we should have gone longer but there's something more important that we have to uh recognize which is our transgender uh day of visibility right. so um we uh so we're we're this is cooperation yeah. inclusivity and cooperation together and so um, it's, it's, a, a it's still a time. big step, right? It's a still, well, I mean, first of all, what took so long? I just have to say it. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm glad that it's finally happened because, uh, you know, uh, Southern California has a huge Persian uh, community. Largest, uh, and, in, largest in America. Yeah. And, you know, not just Southern California. And most of it is concentrated in uh, L.A. proper, you know, from the mm -hmm. beach, from Santa Monica, all the way to Hollywood, to the Valley, Tarzana, Woodland Hills, uh, you know, all through Westwood, Brentwood, all of that, um, and West Hollywood, obviously. So, um, you know, that's great. And it's such a great homage to the Mayor Pro Tem. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that's wonderful. I'm very excited. And on, mon on uh, Monday night is our city council meeting. On Tuesday, I'm flying to Sacramento. I was invited by uh, Melahat Rafi, who is the uh, first Iranian, actually she's the highest ranking Iranian in the California Democratic Party because mm -hmm. she was just elected as secretary of the California Democratic State Party. Mm -hmm. And she is, we are going to be having a Nowruz uh, celebration live uh, at the state capitol. Nice. And, um, so I'll be there with some other electeds and uh, uh, Fashid Amin, who's a musical artist, is going to be there as well. And some delegates that are Iranian-American and an assembly member. So it'll be an exciting time. Um, I'll be going in the morning and coming back in the evening. But Oh, wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> Let me talk about jet lag. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's great. Well, um, is there anything else that we've missed? Anything you want to uh, add or uh, maybe a call to action? Well, um, I think right now uh, the 
calls to action. Oh, oh, something really important actually um, is uh, the city is going back to, we're going to have our fingers crossed last Zoom meeting uh, and it's going to be Monday at 6 p.m. You mean today, tonight? Uh, it's, it's on, yes, it's on Monday, our city yeah. council meeting. Yeah. And yes, tonight. Um, and then after, uh, after this, after this evening, we're hoping to go back in person mm -hmm. to city council finally in April. So that, just keep an eye out for those that want to come and attend and uh, make public comments, etc. Yeah. Um, a call to action, I would say uh, we have a page dedicated to uh, standing with Ukraine on WeHo.org as well as organizations that people can help and contribute to because uh, this is really a crisis that is still ongoing. So Absolutely. Um, if anybody wants to help, you can go to WeHo.org and put in Ukraine and the page will pop up. Fantastic. Well, WeHo.org for, for supporting Ukraine, for finding about the council meetings, as well as Pride and, and everything else. And if you want to contact uh, Mayor Pro Tem Shine, uh, you can do that through that as well. And uh, yeah, thank you, uh, uh, Mayor Pro Tem. Uh, good talking to you again. Hope to talk to you soon. Um, have fun in Sacramento and uh, happy Nowruz again. Thank you. Happy Nowruz to you and all your listeners who celebrate as well. Thank you. Bye. Bye. That was West Hollywood's Mayor Pro Tem, Seppi Shine, who is truly an exceptional person. In her first year plus, she has truly exceeded expectations and fulfilled her promises and more. Uh, and I should mention that uh, she sponsored a motion uh, to have the city of West Hollywood recognize uh, the independent Republic of Artsakh, um, for which I'm very grateful, uh, and was co-sponsored by uh, council member uh, Lindsay Horvath, who is now running for LA County Board of Supervisors. Uh, so it's always a pleasure uh, to speak with uh, Mayor Pro Tem Shine. Uh, thank you, and uh, we will hopefully chat again soon. Before we go, I'd like to thank my producer, Ricky Herrera, without whom this show would not be possible. And KPFK, the station that brings you unfiltered and commercial-free news, opinion, and hopefully some inspiration. Thank you for joining me today on The Blunt Post with Vic. Tune in next Monday at 6 a.m. for another episode. For more information, please visit thebluntpost.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Vic Jarami, at V-I-C-G-E-R-A-M-I. -E Thank you. The Blunt Post with Vic.